I am going to be reading aloud chapters 15, 16, and 17 of the year of Miss Agnes. I hope you enjoy the last three chapters. Chapter 15. We knew that we didn't talk the right way because the other teachers had told us we had terrible English. But Miss Agnes said there were lots of right ways to talk. What we talked in the village was right, she said. That's the way to talk here. And when we talk in Athabuscan, that's the right way too. But there's another way to talk, and that's what we want to talk when we go to the city or go away to school. And that's what she said she was going to teach us. So we learned that when we're somewhere else, we shouldn't say ain't, and we shouldn't mix up our E's and I's, like say pin when we mean pen. That's really hard to do. We shouldn't say gots, and we shouldn't say gots instead of has. You have to say did, like he did it, not he done it. And you can't say, I seen a moose, I have seen a moose, that's the right way, or I saw a moose. And then there's the thing about nothing words. That is really hard to get straight. If you use too many words that mean nothing, then it means something instead of nothing. Like if you say, I don't want nothing, then you mean you want something because you said nothing wasn't what you wanted. So you say, I don't want anything. Phew. The thing about good English is that when you say it right, it sounds wrong because we're not used to saying it right. Miss Agnes said it takes practice. Jimmy Sam looked at Miss Agnes and smiled that smile of his, like when she told him about the stars and all that. He was really happy with this good English he was learning. He liked to do things right. After we studied English for a while, we made up this good English game. Every time we caught somebody saying ain't or using too many nothing words or anything like that, we had to say gotcha. Then we could put a check mark by their name on the board. Whoever had the littlest check marks was the winner for that day. I was the winner in that game lots, but it seemed like I had to think over every word I said before I said it. After Christmas, Little Pete and Roger and the other kids were in school for a little while before they went out beaver trapping. That's when Miss Agnes read The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes to us and Kidnapped and a book about King Arthur. She knew those big boys would like those ones. All of us did. They were so exciting. In February, when everyone was back from beaver trapping, Miss Agnes read the story of Hudson Stuck to us. That's the one that was a priest. He used to travel all around here with a dog team, and he built the school at El Caquette and the mission and told all the people from all around to move there. That was really interesting. There were lots of people in it who we knew. The old people were right in that book, 10,000 miles with a dog sled. Even my grandpa. It made us feel like something, that someone had written this book about us, that we were in a book. But the part Miss Agnes liked was about the boy the priest took with him. He was an Indian boy who didn't speak any English. And every night when they camped in their tent, even if it was 50 below zero, the priest would teach that boy. And after a while, he was so smart, he was going to go outside to get to be a doctor. Hudson Stuck was sending him to school, to, sending him out to school to do that to be the first Indian doctor. But the boy was in a boat that hit an iceberg and he and his new wife died in that cold water. So he never became a doctor. Before Miss Agnes came, we didn't know people like us could learn that much and could be a doctor. It was in my head then 
that I could do something really big. I didn't want to have babies like Marie and marry some boy. Maybe he'd get mean sometimes. I wouldn't like that. I could make my own money. Sally Oldman went to Tanana when she was 16, and she worked there, helping the doctors. She didn't want a bunch of kids either. Take a moment to think about what you want to remember from Chapter 15 of the Year of Miss Agnes. Now press pause and return to your reading log to type what you think is important, and then come back to hear the last two chapters. Chapter 16. By spring, we could all read pretty good and write stories and tell the names of the places on the whole map. That big map was one of our best things. Plasker liked it the best. Plasker used to like to touch the map and say the names, low, like magic words, like he could feel something coming from the countries on that map. I could do it too, sometimes. When I touched Africa, I could see that long, flat place where the elephants and the zebras were and feel the hot wind on me and smell dry grass. Now I wanted to go everywhere. And before, I never knew there was an everywhere. By spring, I could add and subtract. Boko could write now, too, and read the books Miss Agnes wrote for her. If she wanted something, she could write to us now. Not really good, but enough that we could tell. She knew a lot of signs, more than 200, Miss Agnes said. And so did all of us. We learned right along with Boko. Only Miss Agnes had to look the signs up in the book all the time. She couldn't remember them as good as us. Sometimes she'd just ask us what the sign was for book or walk or something, and we'd tell her so she wouldn't have to look it up. I have an old brain, she'd sign to Boko. It's not good. A young brain is good. Even sometimes Boko would sign bad things at us now, like when she got mad at us. Being mad in sign language is funny, so we'd laugh, and then Boko would laugh too. The funny thing was that we didn't just use the signs to talk to Boko. We used them to talk to each other. Like, if little Pete said something, maybe Roger would sign to him, you're crazy. Or maybe when I saw Bertha in the store, I would just sign to her, hi. Pretty soon, a lot of the grown-ups were learning some signs, too. Sometimes the old men sitting around in the store with old man Anderson would be funny, throwing their hands around, pretending they were talking real fast in sign language to tease us. When Mama saw everyone getting interested in it, she even started to learn some signs. She would ask me how to say things like, be careful, and hurry up, and bossy things like that. But me and Boko didn't care. We were just happy she was learning and not mad about it anymore. And even sometimes, Mama would forget and would sign to me just like I was deaf too. The first time it happened, we all laughed, even Mama. It was so funny. By the time the snow had a hard crust from the warm days, it was time for nearly everyone to go to spring camp. Little Pete and Roger went to Long Lake. Marie and Plasker and Toby Joe went with their folks to North Fork. And Bertha went to spring camp up by Ellicott. There were just five of us left in school. Charlie Boy and Selena and me and Boko and Kenny were staying in town until time for fish camp in the summer. Spring camp was the best of all, really. Grandpa and Grandma and me and Mama and Boko went with Uncle Patty and his family once, and it was so good. We had two white tents we put up by the lake. In ours, there were two bunks made from spruce poles, and there was a table and two gas boxes for chairs. Uncle Patty shoveled the snow over the edges of the tent to keep them tight and set up a little Yukon stove in each tent. Those stoves kept the tents just warm. 
When the ice on the lake melted, Grandpa and Uncle Patty and the boys would go out in the little canoes and get as many muskrats as they could. Then at night, all the grown-ups would skin and stretch the muskrats. When they were skinning, Grandpa told us stories about the old days when he went for muskrats with his dad. They used to make a tent with moose hides put over willows bent in a bow. They had hard times those years with no stores. Sometimes they were very hungry in the spring. But this year, the kids who were going to spring camp were sad. They knew when they got back, Miss Agnes would be gone. It would all be over. There would be another teacher next year. Maybe a nice one even, but never the same as Miss Agnes. What if she wouldn't let Boko come to school? When we talked like that, Miss Agnes would try to make us like the way things would be. Boko will go to school, said Miss Agnes. The priest at Alicaquette said the church is going to send her to a good school for the deaf. When she's 14, it will be good, you'll see. So Miss Agnes would be gone and Boko would be gone. Sometimes I went outside and I cried hard about that. Maybe if one of us was smart, like that boy of Hudson Stucks, the one who was going to be a doctor, maybe if we didn't always have that fish smell on us. I know she said she couldn't even smell anything, but maybe. Maybe she would stay for us and teach us another year. Maybe if this England didn't have trees with pink flowers on them and that place where people sing so hard it bounces off the walls. The days were so warm, the ice on the river got rotten and we couldn't walk on it. Everything sounds louder when the snow is melting and you can hear noises from a long way off, like the sound of someone chopping wood at the other end of the village. Then the ice upriver started to push the ice by our village, and pretty soon that ice was breaking up into smaller pieces and moving down to the Yukon. The ice crunched and smashed along, pieces bumping into each other, noisy. When the ice went out, it was almost the end of school, and we were all getting ready to go to fish camp. Ms. Agnes packed her things. She didn't pack the books or the phonograph or the records. I leave these for you, she said, for next year. You tell the new teacher where the old books are. She'll likely want to use them. She started to take the map and the pictures off the wall, but when she turned around, we were just staring at her. It seemed like we'd die if she took those things down. So she looked at us and then dusted her hands together the way she always did when she was making up her mind. She didn't take anything off the walls. We'll leave it just this way, she said. I helped her some after everyone else had said goodbye and gone. When she had everything packed, she said to me, this teapot is for you. Remember the first day I came when you and Bertha had tea with me? This is to remember me by. Miss Agnes, I said, I don't need nothing to remember you by. Anything, I said before she could correct me. I will always remember you. Yes, she said, being a teacher is like that. No one ever forgets their teachers. What will you do when you get to England? I asked. The first thing is, I'll get into the subway and ride to Paddington Station. She smiled. And then the train to Cambridge. And then, then I'll find a little house and I'll live in it. And I'll go to King's Chapel and have tea in a pub. Her face was sad and happy too. I didn't want to look at her face anymore because I was going to cry. The kind of crying that makes your nose run and your throat ache. I have to go, I said. Mama is waiting for me. Yes, she said. Take good care of Boko, will you? I will, I said. Take a moment to think about what you want to remember from chapter 16 of the year of Miss Agnes. Return to your reading log after pressing pause to type what you would like to remember. I wonder what will happen in the last chapter.
Chapter 17. We got back from fish camp late in September. It was really fun to be there, but I missed Miss Agnes. Since she wouldn't be our teacher anymore, I wished we could just stay at fish camp all winter too. Then we wouldn't have to get used to another new teacher. At camp, all my cousins from New Lotto were there, and the aunts and my uncle, Patty. Boko taught everyone her sign language. It was the first time she talked to all those people. She wasn't afraid anymore, or shy like she used to be. They were all happy to see Boko so easy-like now. And they all bragged about Mama when she talked to Boko with signs, like she was the one who invented sign language. I think that made Mama feel good, because she was nicer to everyone that summer, and not so bossy. We had to work there at fish camp, just like every year. Uncle Patty and his big boys would put the fish wheel in the river, and then they'd go out every morning in the boat to get the salmon out of the box. My aunties and mama would cut the fish in strips, and then they'd drop it into the big tub full of salt water. Boko and me would take it out of the salt water and carry it to the fish racks to hang up to dry. It was really hard carrying that slippery, slimy fish just out of the salt water, and if we dropped it in the dirt, our aunties would just yell at us. But we got a lot of fish, maybe more than any year. This year, I wrote down the fish every day on the calendar. At the end of the week, Boko and I would add up all those fish. Boko and me were the only ones who could add those three numbers across. The grown-ups were proud of us. Mama didn't say anything, and she tried to act like she knew all along we could do that adding. But I knew she was proud of us, too. We could tell she didn't think school was a waste of time anymore. It seemed like everything reminded me and Boko of Miss Agnes. Everything had something to do with what we learned from her, as if we just woke up to see the world around us and way beyond us. But when we thought about the things she taught us, we thought about her not being there anymore. There was a lump in my throat every time I thought of that. I thought how we'd go to England to see her, but I knew I was just telling myself a story. But maybe we'd always look for that to happen, the way people think something better is always going to happen to them someday. It is late at night when we got home, when we get home from fish camp. It is raining, dark, and gloomy. No lights anywhere. Even old man Anderson must be asleep. No one knows we're coming. Grandpa ties the boat and jams a pole in the mud to hold the boat away from the bank so it doesn't swamp. I have to carry the cooking stuff we're bringing home. It clanks away in an old burlap bag, knocking against my leg. Boko is carrying another burlap bag with our radio in it, all wrapped up in a piece of tarp. When we come around the corner, we see a light in the school. Someone has a lamp there. The new teacher. Boko and I stop to look. I feel terrible, and Boko does too. I can tell. We can't stop ourselves, though. We got to look. I put my bag down and walk softly up to the school window. Boko's behind me. We look in, but there's nothing to see. The room is the same, only darker than it was. Only one lamp burning. Then we see there's a yellow cat sitting on the table, licking one paw. His eyes are closed, and he's licking that paw slowly. Boko pulls in her breath sharply. We've never seen a cat. Just in pictures. It's so pretty. <laughs> then someone comes out of the darkness to shoo that cat off the table. And it's Miss Agnes. Her hair is different somehow, but they are the pants. The cat jumps off the table, and Miss Agnes stops to scold him. And then I hear the music that king's choir. Boko is crying, like she could hear it too. Tears are running down her face. 
We stand in the rain and look at Miss Agnes until she moves out of the window and into the back where we can't see her. And then we go home. School will start at nine and we want to get a good night's sleep. I'll ask her tomorrow why she came back to us. I always love the ending of the year of Miss Agnes. I hope you enjoyed chapter 17. Take a moment to go to your reading log and put down what you would like to remember most about the last chapter.